Hey everybody, Jeremy Markovich here. Two quick notes before we get going. First, this podcast has a new home. It's now part of the North Carolina Rabbit Hole, which you can find at ncrabbithole.com. There you can check out previous episodes of Away Message. You can find any new episodes that we're putting out. And if you like this podcast, I think, no guarantees, but I think you will like my weekly newsletter. It is about weird North Carolina stuff. Comes out every Thursday. It is free if you want it to be. And you can sign up at ncrabbithole.com. Second, this episode was produced during my time at Our State Magazine. Now, I happen to think that most of it still holds up, but some of the promo codes and websites that I mention may no longer work. Okay, here's the show. This is Away Message. I'm Jeremy Markovich, and I am here with James Michkowski. How you doing? James is the producer of this show, and we both stumbled upon another story, another good story, another one of those stories that we were like, got obsessed with. Yeah. And it all started because I was surfing Zillow. I am not, I'm not in the market for a house, but I surf Zillow because I've been told that Zillow is Tinder for married people. And which um, is, um, that's a really interesting thing. And I'm not really sure how, like how that is because I'm not married, but, but I'm glad for you. I'm glad that I'm glad this happened. This is my thing. Yeah. I, I, (laughs) I I just, I just, you just swipe right on houses that you like. Um, But you don't buy them. No, you don't buy them. So you're like the worst Tinder dater ever. But it's okay to look. Yeah. So, so I'm, anyways, I come across not just a house for sale but an entire island for sale. And it is out on the North Carolina coast. Yeah. And we both agreed like, well, this is kind of crazy. Like there's gotta be some kind of story here. Like it's just like who sells, who sells an entire island with a giant house on one end and it just kind of shows up on Zillow. Like what's, what's up with that? And we both decide that you should go check this out. How y'all doing? You get out there. Sorry, I'm a little bit late. And you find not only just the story of an island, you also find basically a love story on like three or four different levels. And this is Pete, the caretaker. Hey, Pete. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> this island is it's called Davis Island. Um, it's located just off of a town called Smyrna. Kind of near Beaufort, Moorhead City, mm-hmm. Cape Lookout, that, yeah. that part of the state. It's about 15 minutes north of Beaufort. When we get down there, we've arranged to meet with Robert, who is the owner of the property and, and the island, and a woman named Donna, uh, the caretaker that lives there. His name is Pete. Robert, he so he's got two boats. He's got like one little small, like you know, two-person Carolina skiff. So we're bringing the skiff too, huh? And he's also got this kind of small little shrimp boat that's like wooden and it's older, so you know some of the white paint is chipped off of the sides and it's, it's like kind of beat up. Straight out of central casting, this boat. Yeah, man, it's like you couldn't like you literally couldn't make it up. Like this is a down east boat. So is that is that the islands that we're going? Yep. We ended up just you know. Taking off and going across Jarrett Bay. So Davis Island is just beyond the Core Sound here, just beyond the it's Outer Banks. So beautiful, you know. It's it's a lot of just wildlife and kind of like marshland and with like all this just inland water around it too. You know, um, it's a wide open space, but there's also like just a bunch of greenery. And the town of Davis is up there at the end of Jarrett Bay, and then that's called Davis Ridge. Right on there. the eastern side of the island, you can just see there like these like little power poles. My grandfather put the power line in back in the 50s. And the line runs all the way across Jarrett Bay back to the mainland. So it's two miles long. Which kind of makes this island unique. I mean, it's an island, but we got power out here. If 
you know, a big storm comes through and the power line's down, they have to fix it. The power company doesn't fix it because it's not their pole. Right. Pete, what's it like when the power goes out? It sucks. <laughs> so it takes us about 20 minutes to get across. So we're kind of approaching the, the pier here. It's funny, when you land, it's not like an easy land. What's well, left of the pier? Was that from Florence as well? Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of... It looks like uh, it looks like something out of a Dr. Seuss book or something. It's kind of <laughs> yeah. all curled up, but it's still upright. You get there and you look around and there's grass. It's like somebody's yard, but you know, it's like a couple of acres of yard. How long did it take you to cut all this grass? Ask Pete. <laughs> when you look at the house from when you, where you where the pier is and when you land, it's almost like a house on a hill. But there is no hill. It's just like the end of the island. Awesome. So we're going to head up towards the house then? Yes. Yeah, awesome. we're heading it's up. a white house, but it's got a lot of paint chipped off of it because of the weather. Um, it's got some boards on some of the windows that have been blown out because of um, high winds. Um, the, it's got a wraparound porch on the front of it. That house is like petrified wood. I had the direct TV people come out. Yeah. The guy came out and he was drilling a hole through the house to get the cable in. He couldn't get his drill bit through. He said, what the, what kind of wood is this? It's so old and so well built. It's been through hurricanes since the 30s. So it's like a fossil almost. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, it is beautiful. On the inside, it's, it's like a time capsule. There's books here from 1952 and earlier than that. Robert's kind of showing us around the house and he leads us into the family room. And he's got this really cool little chest set up there. And he's got some of this, he's got this some antique furniture that's kind of like perfectly placed. Yeah, there are three chimneys in the house. Um, only one of them has ever been used. How exactly do you build this giant house on an island like way back in the day? Right. Well, so the thing is, it it was not always an island. Davis Island was, it was a property that was in the Davis family since the 1740s. And then at the end of the Civil War, they lost it because they didn't have the funds to pay the taxes and everything. It gets moved over to another family and they put this house there in 1885. And at that point in time, um, it's still connected to the mainland. And there was a storm that came through around the turn of the century. I don't remember the name of it. The storm is so big that it, it, literally turns that property, it, it cuts it in half. It cut the island off f from the mainland. And so the people that built this house, they built it on a piece of property, and all of a sudden they're like, well, we've got two properties now. So it got taken over by Carteret County and got put on the open market. There was a series of owners from up north, New York, Pennsylvania, Ohio, that bought the property and used it as a duck hunting lodge. One guy tried to start a rice field that, down at one end. And then there's a gentleman named Robert Humber Jr., um, who is originally from Greenville, Carolina, and he marries a woman who is part of that Davis family. And he wants to bring the house back into the Davis family kind of lineage. And so he decides to purchase the property in the 1930s. So who is Robert Humber Jr.? Jeremy, that is a great question. <laughs> Robert Humber Jr. was born in Greenville um, in 1898. He's a really smart kid. He graduates high school at the age of 15, ends up going to Wake Forest, uh, gets his BA there, and then gets his master's at Harvard. From Harvard, he becomes a Rhodes Scholar, goes to Oxford, and he ultimately jumps into law and international law. 
And so from Oxford, he decides that he wants to stay in Europe and kind of learn more about international law and kind of develop a life in, in Europe and in France kind of specifically. And so he meets his wife out, out there in France and they get married and then they start to develop a life out there and, and something kind of crazy happens and that's, and that's the beginnings of World War II. The Germans are massing hundreds of thousands of the soldiers that conquered Poland and a German offensive is expected. They have to literally flee France and they come back to North Carolina, they come back to Greenville and, and Robert makes it his mission to fight for world peace in a way um, and, and through the law. And he's influenced by Woodrow Wilson's League of Nations. And ultimately, he starts lobbying North Carolina legislators to adopt a resolution that would amend not only um, our Constitution, but the United States Constitution that would allow for us to abide by a national world federation that would be for peace. And he does a pretty good job of it because North Carolina passes that resolution. So basically what he's lobbying for is like a United Nations, but with more teeth. Yeah, and a lot of that actually happens in the house on Davis Island. So he almost launches sort of a new world order from this house <laughs> right. on this island. Yeah. This movement kind of fades, and I think that's because the United States ultimately starts fighting against communism, and so he kind of takes his foot off the gas on that, and he starts focusing on something different. As he's traveling through Europe as a young man, he's influenced by all this art. He's in the epicenter of all these artists and, and museums and, and culture, and he knows that that should be in North Carolina too. And so he finds a new mission really and that's to create the North Carolina Museum of Art and he does just to recap yeah Robert Humber Jr. yes escapes from Europe before World War II comes back to the United States tries to launch the World Federation from Davis Island yes and when that fizzles out he decides I'm going to do something different and then he creates the North Carolina Museum of Art which is one of the most amazing state-run art museums like in the country. Yeah, absolutely. So that is the amazing story of Robert Humber Jr., one you can actually go read in history books and, and that sort of thing. But what is his relationship to this island that he owns this whole time when he's out doing these amazing things? So it becomes the Humber family vacation home, but, you know, it's an island and there needs work to it. Yeah, this is the breakwater I told you about. Yeah. In the 50s, uh, Hazel, Hurricane Hazel comes through, and it does a good number to the island again. And Robert Humber Jr. is like, we're going to buy a barge, and we're going to get all of the stone shipped into Moorhead City. And then we put each individual rock was loaded onto our barge. And we're going to create a seawall. And each rock was dropped over into the water by hand. We're going to do it ourselves over the amount of a, you know, a couple, like a year, I think, you know, a whole summer. It takes them to do this. Yeah. You know, my grandfather did this after the hurricane in the 50s. And uh, if, he, if he hadn't done it, I'm pretty sure this house wouldn't be here anymore. You know, so right. that, that really saved this. South. Yeah, there's Cape Lookout Lighthouse. Up here. So Robert Humber Jr. Let me, I just, this is, this is one of those things where I feel like I have to say it out loud or you have to explain it. Robert Humber Jr., his grandson is Robert Humber II, right. which is the Robert that you are running around on this island with. 
Yes. So what does he remember of like being on that island as a kid? What I did was fish. I fished and I crabbed. He's got a lot of great memories there. A lot of, you know, his grandparents and his parents. Granddaddy was a great storyteller. And after dinner, we would just hang around the table and just listen to him talk. He remembers his grandfather, you know, being really happy and being just excited to spend time with his, his family, but also being able to just kind of sit on the front porch and just kind of take in that view. And that's the kind of space it it turns into for Robert. When he was a kid, did he think to himself, oh, someday I'm going to live on this island. Like, this will be my island. Like, I'll live here. Yeah, he he does. From the time I was about eight or nine years old, because, you know, I used to come down here for all our vacations. I just love this place. Mm -hmm. And uh, I always thought, man, if I could ever live on the island, wouldn't that be great? And uh, so it just worked out that way that I was able to fulfill that dream and, uh, I lived here from 2003 to 2009. So how does he pull that off? Like, how, how do you pull off being a adult yeah. and living on an island? Well, Robert Humber II also has a pretty interesting story. He grows up and he joins the Navy and serves in the Navy for over 20 years. Once he retires from the Navy, he has this interesting moment in his life where he's living in Virginia, he ends up getting divorced, and needs kind of a life change. And I got hired by GE Healthcare, mm-hmm. and I became a field engineer, yeah. and I got a job in eastern North Carolina, which is right where I wanted to be. So he's like, oh, that's kind of where Davis Island is. I could live anywhere in eastern North Carolina because... That was my territory. Mm -hmm. And I called my dad up and said, hey, dad, can I go live on the island? And he goes, sure, sure, no problem. So that's how I ended up here. (laughs) What's it like being alone out here? I had a port swing out here that I, that was my spot. And I just like to read and I like to cook. I like to eat what I cook. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was pretty self-sufficient there for a number of years. I have my old vinyl, you know, so I would listen to my records and uh, I don't know. I just, I enjoyed being the boss of my life, I guess is the way you have to put it. I was, I just did what I wanted to do. He would just go fishing or he'd go crabbing. He loved going crabbing and, you know, making his own crab sandwiches. And then he'd also, you know, kind of just sit on that front porch and, you know, have a beer and, and kind of just not think. You know, I, one of the things that kind of surprised me was like, well, what are you thinking about out there, Robert? And he's like, I wasn't really thinking about anything. I was kind of just trying to clear my head. I remember telling my dad one time, there's only three things that I need to be happy is a roof over my head when it rains, hot water in the morning for a shower, and a kitchen or someplace to cook food. I mean, other than that, what else do you really need? Everything else is gravy. So Robert is kind of just hanging out one day and watching some tennis on satellite TV. And there's a knock on the door. And it's something that will kind of change his life. And we'll have that part of the story when Away Message continues. (laughs) 
This is Away Message. I'm Jeremy Markovich, and I'm here with James Mischkowski, our producer. Hey, how you doing? Good. So you went out to a private island on the coast of North Carolina, but it's um, not as private exactly as you might think. So the Humber family, they know that people are aware of the island. You know, they're they're out there, and this is their, their vacation home at this point in time. It's Robert's full-time home. But the overall kind of outlook on the island is that this is this is our space, but we want to share it with people too. And so the northern part of the island, they let people kind of just, you know, set up camp there. If they take a boat over, um, they let them like, do day trips there and hang out and swim on the course sound and kind of relax. But nobody's really knocked on his door before. And it was Labor Day weekend in 2009, I think, 2008. And I heard a woman's voice on the front porch. Donna Boone is my name, and I'd heard that our family was originally from Davis Island, so I wanted to research it, and for years I tried to get here, but my dad, who passed away last year, he would only go by boat to the Outer Bank to Cape Lookout. He wouldn't come this way. He would never come this way, and one time I convinced him. I was down with my cousin and I said, let's go that way. And he was getting pretty old at the time and he wasn't seeing really well. So he brought us over here. It was a Sunday and we came over to Davis Island. I was sitting here in the living room and I hear this woman's voice out on the porch. Hello. 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 Anybody there? Hello. Just in case, because we were planning on just coming into the house. He's not expecting this at all. So... He like runs and like, you know, he's been, he's a man on an island by himself. So he's, you know, hanging out on the couch in his undies, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, yeah. So he, <laughs> why not? Why not, right? He said, just a minute, I have to get some clothes on. So I go to the front door and there's a, a actually two women. And uh, they were what my family affectionately calls trespassers. We were laughing and we didn't know who he was or what, what was going on. So he came out and talked to us on the porch. He didn't let us in the house, but he talked to us on the porch. <laughs> and my cousin uh, started interviewing him because she was always looking for a man. It was a kind of a game for her. And she was asking him all these questions about where are you from? Or are you single? Um, what are your political views? Do you listen to NPR radio? Because she worked for NPR radio in Baltimore. When I was in high school, or when you were in high school, if you really liked a girl, you were afraid to look at her because she thought, I would have thought she could read my mind. You know, you want to keep all that stuff private. So while I was talking to them, I was really just sneaking peeks over at Donna. Robert said he was looking at me, and then um, he, I gave him my phone number. I just thought she was really cute. There was an initial spark and my cousin kept saying, he really liked you. And they make some more small talk and ultimately they exchange information and, and the two women leave. And that's that. Until one day, a few weeks later, Robert gets a letter in the mail. Now, you may be wondering, well, how do you get mail on an island? Mm-hmm. That's a good question. <laughs> so I get this letter in the mail about two weeks later, and it's my name is spelled wrong. It's addressed to Smyrna, North Carolina, instead of Smyrna, 
The zip code was for Marshallburg, which was the only one that she knew. The only thing on the envelope that was right was Davis Island. And it got down into the local postal system down here, and everybody knows Davis Island. We have a P.O. box in Smyrna. So the postmaster tossed it into my P.O. box, and that's how I got the initial response after our first meeting. And he started writing me letters, so we started corresponding through mail. Now, what's interesting is Donna's father, who lived in Marshallburg, his very good friend was the brother of Pete Sanders, who's the caretaker here on Davis Island. I made candles, beeswax candles, so I sent candles. And she gave them to her dad. To give to his friend Bubba. To give to Pete. And then Pete came over, he's the caretaker here, and he said to Robert, hey, your girlfriend sent you some candles. <laughs> and I'm going, my girlfriend, what are you talking about? So I get the candles and I, I see that they're from Donna. So I'm thinking, huh, there might be something going on here. So next, we decided to meet. So I sent her a thank you note, of course, and said, oh, by the way, I'm going to be up in Northern Virginia for Christmas. You know, would you like to get together? And she replied right away and said, heck yeah, let's get together. So we decided to meet in Annapolis on Christmas week. And we just walked around and we just fell in love. Yes. So this woman, who just happened to be curious one day, just happened to get to this island, happened to knock on his door in Robert's home. And so that's how I met these two women, and one of them I eventually married. <laughs> like, so far, like, everything about this just sounds like the most romantic experience. I mean, like... For a while, he's living on his own private island and eating fresh fish and, like, staring off at the ocean. And then literally, one day a woman shows up at his door and that woman becomes his wife. Yeah. And, I mean, like, there's got to be a side of this that is not as romantic. There's got to be a reality of trying to, to live on an island that he has to deal with. Yeah. There's a crossroads for Robert. He's not able to spend as much time out there because he's he's with Donna. She has to live on the mainland because she has to take care of, of her mother. Her father has passed away and her mother is, is kind of sick. And so she can't really leave and spend a night out on the island with Robert, you know? And so Robert chooses Donna over the island, really. And the maintenance and the reality of keeping up an island are a lot. This is a place that is developing and, and evolving over time. There's a moment on the front porch with Pete, the caretaker, that I thought was really telling. We're both standing out on the porch, kind of looking out over the sound, and we're talking about the seawall. And when we had arrived initially, it was low tide. Um, and the tide is, is now coming up and coming up, and, and it's almost it's almost high tide. And the water is well over the seawall now. And it's basically right at our feet on the porch. How long ago is that when you were able to cut the grass here? And Oh, and that was when I first took over. That was in, what was it, Rob, 92, I think it was, 93, something like that. And Pete's kind of telling me about, you know, back in the early 90s when he was taking care of the property. There was a time where he was cutting the grass in front of that seawall all the time. And he doesn't do that anymore. He can't do that anymore. 
because of the water. Mm. It's washing away bad. We used to see a lot more land out here. I mean, I used to be able to walk off the porch, you'd go out and there'd be beach, and I would walk all the way down and around the point. I mean, it would take me 15 minutes to walk down to the dock. Yeah. Yeah, and that's all gone. Man. And to kind of give some larger context, um, when it first became an island, it was about 100 acres, 110 acres. It's 40 now. It becomes very evident that that seawall needs to be larger and there needs to be more of them. And Robert and his family can't really do it anymore. To own an island, I have to start back when I was a kid and it was romantic. All the memories that I've talked about here build on one another and they keep surpassing themselves. I mean, even though I've seen porpoises go by for 50 years, every time I see a pod go by, it's a, it, it's a rejuvenating experience. I just love that. So I romanticized it as a kid. And then when I moved here and lived here, the realities of the maintenance and protecting your boat when a storm comes up. So it became more of a responsibility than the romantic kind of get, a getaway. Also, when I was a kid, the adults took care of everything, right? And now I'm that adult, so it's a big responsibility. I mean, we, the Humbers as a family, really care about preserving this place and keeping it going. And we know we can't do it anymore. We've decided as a family that it's time to put this, the island on the market and put it up for sale. Well, it's sad that we have to let it go, but as I said, it's gotten to the point where we don't have the resources anymore to take care of it the way we think it should be taken care of. And it's just the responsible thing to do is to find somebody else to take it over because it has a lot of local history and uh, it's a beautiful place. I mean, somebody's gonna really make some nice memories the way we have. It's funny because I've told this story to like so many people already. Yeah. There are so many reactions I've got, we've gotten back from it. Like mm-hmm. one of them is like, somebody was like, oh, this is the giving tree. Like, how oh. is it like the giving tree? Like what's, I mean, like I, I, this is a book that I've read to my kids, but like, how is this like the giving tree? Yeah. So my friend and I, I told him this story and that was his first response because, you know, he said like, it's like this island has given Robert so many things. Um, whether that be like, you know, finding that peace after a divorce or finding another, the next lover, right? Uh-huh. And also like his childhood, like it gave him this like beauty of a childhood, right? Uh-huh. And now the island is kind of, it's given him everything it's, 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 it has, and it has nothing left really to give him. And so it's like, I will always be there for you and like, I'll always love you. But like, you know, and it's, it's kind of just like that. And you're like, damn. <laughs> yeah. In order to, to save this place you love, you have to, you have to let it go. You have to let it go and and just, you know, you have to evolve. Here's a here's a question for you. Who do you want this to go to? If you I mean, you know, that you spent so much time here, you spent 7 years by yourself here. I think the Humber family just cuz we have been the caretakers and the stewards of this property for so long. We just want somebody who loves it as much as we do and wants to take care of it. 
and uh, hopefully that person will show up. <laughs> it's happened before. Yeah, it has happened before. Somebody has shown up. <laughs> Production of Our State Magazine, an employee-owned company that's been celebrating North Carolina for more than 85 years. You can get $5 off a year's subscription to the magazine. Just head over to OurState.com, click on subscribe, and use the promo code AWAY to get $5 off a year's subscription. It is our thank you for listening to the show. This episode was produced and reported by James Miskowski with help from me. Elizabeth Hudson is our editor-in-chief. Special thanks this week to the Hummer family. Now, we have a special thing for you this week. If you would like to watch and check out with your own eyes what it is like to be on Davis Island, James is also a video producer, and he and our wonderful photographer, Dylan Deaton, put together a seven-minute little mini-documentary about what life is like on Davis Island. You can watch that right now at away.ourstate.com. And one more note for you. If you really want to be in the know on this podcast, if you are a super fan, then also go to away.ourstate.com. There you can sign up for a newsletter. We were hoping to be launching in a few weeks. You would get heads up on new episodes, behind the scenes information, and just other cool stuff that we come across and want to pass along. Again, you can sign up for that on our website, away.ourstate.com. Our closing song this week is a new track called Breathe Till I'm Full from The Collection, a terrific band based in Winston-Salem. It's trying to let go, trying to let go. It's always trying so damn hard to let go. It's singing hallelujah, though I don't know who it's for. People knowing my name and my local country stories. Cooking till I'm tired, eating till I sleep. Making on a fire and swimming out too deep. It's naked bodies dancing with moonlight in their eyes. Keeping my mouth shut so I don't ruin the And before we go this week, James loves porpoises. And so this is what happened when James saw some porpoises on Davis Island. There it is. That was a porpoise right there. Okay. Just, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, my God. There's a pot of them. Oh. <laughs> we'll be back with the season finale of Away Message really soon. I'm Jeremy Markovich. Thanks for listening. So full of this life, breathe till I'm full, then I'll say goodbye.